0: Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Dave Lee, so without further ado, here he is. And I want to just acknowledge that the best way to show honor to those who serve is not with a word or a sentiment, but by putting our hands to the plow together and pushing as a family. And I want to encourage you, if you've been feeling that at all in your heart, I don't want to add one single ounce of human uh, pushing. I want to ask the Lord to speak to you, to tell you how to do this. Because one of the things I can say is, as I turned 54 last month, I was looking back at so many pictures and videos of when I was a younger Christian I was doing this sort of walk down memory lane, looking at all the documents I put out when we first started this church, the people who were around me, the energy we had, and I was really missing that. And I kept thinking to myself, please don't go out fading into the sunset like a bad movie that you're just waiting to end. Go out in a blaze of glory. Run like you ran when you were younger. I think my energy will look different now, but I don't want to just fade out. And I believe it's possible for all of us, even those who have walked with Jesus for a really long time, are questioning things about our faith. One of the ways back is to be as we were when we were new to the faith, to renew our dedication to him. I'm going to ask for us to just bow for a second. And in your own voice, let's just pray a prayer of thanksgiving for all those who do serve. And then as you pray, open yourself up to see if God is calling you into a new phase of ministry. If you've already been serving, maybe God is going to call you to change into another kind of ministry. If you haven't been serving, maybe this will be God's invitation to you to come and join the the joy of his kingdom work. So let's take a minute and just pray and listen to the Lord. Thank you, God, for all those who serve. Thank you even just now. For whispering to some in our church uh, a new calling, a fresh calling, to rise and join the joyful work of your kingdom. God, we pray that as you stir us, we would respond to you. That we would truly hear by responding to what we have heard you say to us. We are so filled with gratitude for all those who served. Bless them because they were a blessing for others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's 10.50, and if you're tracking the time, you'll notice we've been through a lot, and I haven't preached yet. So if you're worried, I understand why. Let your heart be at peace. I've only got a few things to say. And really, I just want to speak mostly from the heart this morning. It's been a really rough couple of years for churches and pastors It's projected last September that as many as one out of every five churches will permanently close their doors because of the upheaval of the pandemic and the social conflicts we're seeing uh, that was shocking for me to read but as I talk to more and more pastors I can see that that may not have been an exaggeration it's been a really rough season for the church in America that's in decline And it's been widely reported by Barna Research that 38% of pastors have given very serious thought to quitting ministry in the last year. Now, that's pretty depressing to hear. That's the reality that I and many of my colleagues have been living in for a while. It's been a really heavy season to lead the church, and yet I haven't felt the full weight of that. And I was just wondering why I've gone through all of this relatively unscathed. And I can honestly say that God has used you guys to hold me together. I've been watching, I've been listening, I've been talking with people, and I have seen story after story in your lives of hanging on to God for dear life when it hasn't been easy. Even if you are not listed on any of those teams that served at the church I know that this has not been a casual year for any of you. Some of you have fought with every last ounce of your strength to hold your families together, to keep your livelihood intact, to hold your businesses in place, to care for all your employees. I know how much of a challenge that has been, and that itself is a ministry. And I know that you've done it because you care, because you love God, because in every facet of your life, you, you are called to be faithful, and you have been and I've watched it. Even when you couldn't say yes to the church, you were still saying yes to the kingdom of God. You're so faithful to your relatives, to your neighbors. I I still remember the early part of the pandemic, uh, just watching people fight to have devotions and to gather their families and watch a YouTube video instead of going to church. And do you remember how weird it felt? Like at church, when you Sing, you're, you're drowned by at least 150 other voices. When you're watching YouTube church with your family, everyone can hear you sing, so it's like really uncomfortable. I remember how difficult all that was, and yet you kept going. And as I kept watching and hearing the stories, it really filled my heart with such thanks. I mean, I am so privileged to have a church like you. I think one of the reasons I'm still in ministry in the same church after 26 years, whenever I share that, everyone around me is like, you've been at the same church for 26 years. You're a hero. like, no, I just have the greatest church you could possibly meet. If you could meet my church, you'd stick around for 26 years, and you wouldn't consider it a burden, but a privilege. I love this church family, and God has used you to hold my faith together during all of this. I watch you love each other, too to so quickly respond to the special occasions, the needs, the suffering, and the trials that others are going through. Do you remember the early part of the pandemic, how many parades you were part of? When we couldn't party together, we got in our cars, we put streamers all over our vehicles. We, it, it became commonplace. You would hear the honking in your neighborhood, and you're like, just another parade. Someone's got a birthday or an anniversary, whatever. And I, just, I was part of so many of them. I remember Jeannie's 50th birthday parade. How many cars lined up on our street and bothered our neighbors for like an hour? And I was like, thank God for you. I remember all the little personal visits where we couldn't even go inside the house. We stood in a doorway and just visited each other. And what that meant that someone else would drive to your house, stand at your door just because they longed to see your face. And then when they brought a gift of a roll of toilet paper, could you have imagined what a meaningful sacrifice that would be for us to give toilet paper to each other? Remember in the old days, you used to throw it on people's trees for homecoming. How wasteful. <laughs> right? Nobody's teeping houses anymore because we're saving that for our rears. And when they would give, gasp, a whole jar of Clorox wipes, you were like, you are my brother or sister to the end. Do you remember what that felt like? And we were just loving each other when people went through suffering, when we lost loved ones and we had to go to funerals and everyone rallied. I watched all of this and your faithfulness and your faith, God used it to hold my faith together. It made me want to be so faithful. And I I know this is not just for me to use this pulpit as a platform for me to share my things, but I think it needs to just be said how important you have been to sustaining of my faith as a pastor over the last two years. And so I join the Apostle Paul when I say, I thank my God for you. I mean that with my whole heart. I It is such a privilege to be your pastor. And you are the greatest church I have ever known. And I hope you can feel the full weight of that, even in your private lives. You inspire me. Thank you. I want to just have us look quickly at the, these two verses because they have been so meaningful to me in the last couple of weeks. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, and this was one of the churches that he stayed at the longest. These were people who, if you could think of it as his church, this was his church The church at Ephesus was dear to his heart, and he said to them, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. I feel like I could have written those words about our church and what it has meant to me. Why would one person's faithfulness cause another person to thank God. Just pause and think about that. What does one thing have to do with the other? I mean, if you're faithful, if you have faith, shouldn't I just go, good for you? You're going to be in good standing with God. That's awesome. But why would I thank God for that? I think one reason is because faith is always hope and confidence in something we cannot see. So much of the time, the truths that God has communicated and God himself feel invisible to us, hard to see. But when I see the faith of another person, it so reinvigorates and reaffirms my faith. God feels more real because other people could see it too. Can you imagine if there was a friend named Alfred that you could see very clearly, but no one else could see him, how freaked out you would get? Does anyone else see Alfred? What are you talking about? And then one day you meet someone who goes, hey, Alfred, you're like, oh my God, you see him too how you would stop feeling crazy and think maybe it was real, maybe it was true. That's what seeing your faith does for my faith. That's what seeing my faith does for your faith. When we see God through another person's life, that God who is invisible so much of the time feels more real, doesn't he? That's why we're so happy when someone listens to the same obscure band that we listen to. You're like, you know them, and then it makes you love that band even more because that's just the way the human heart was wired. We were never meant to believe in isolation, to believe by ourselves. God wired us so that faith flourishes in community with each other. I loved what Serena said about her youth group, her small group and youth group, how important it is to walk together because sometimes you just don't feel anything, right? Do you ever just feel flat? And then you hang out with a group of people and their faith and their faithfulness reminds you what's real and important to you. That's what we do for each other. That's why our faith is so important, not just for ourselves, for the people around us. One of the things this teaches me, too, is that real faith lived out in faithfulness is so contagious. You know, we use the word contagious, especially in a global pandemic, always in reference to disease. Contagious is like a negative word. It's like a bad thing spreading. And let's be honest, in this world, bad stuff spreads fast, doesn't it? I heard about something, some, my, some kid I was listening to reference something called bad licks. It's like this, this, these challenges, I know teenagers are horrified, I just used that word. But it's these challenges to do naughty things for no reason, just random acts of horrible behavior. And apparently it's hilarious or something. I, when I was a teenager, we didn't have that term, but that was kind of my lifestyle, Bad stuff spreads virally. They say in a derelict neighborhood, and when an abandoned warehouse is standing there and just one window cracks. You know how you see an abandoned warehouse? For some reason, these fools in the old days, architects designed warehouses with like a billion windows. I don't know why they do that. But one of those windows gets broken and the next week the whole building is completely run down. Because seeing one broken window tells you nobody values this property and then it tells you nobody values this neighborhood and everyone starts to throw their own rocks knowing it's wrong, but who cares? Everyone's doing it. Bad stuff is so contagious. But you know what I'm coming to see more and more is good stuff is even more contagious. Bad stuff is contagious, but you do it and you feel gross. And you do more bad stuff to get rid of the gross feeling. But goodness is is contagious in a way that keeps building on itself in such a powerful way. Contagiousness means something is likely to spread to others. And I believe faith and faithfulness are so contagious. You know, I haven't done it in a while, but I want to play a video clip of a TV commercial by Liberty Mutual. I want you to take a look at this how it goes full circle at the end there. It may sound strange to you, but I, the first time I watched that TV commercial, I got really emotional. I thought I was going through something hormonal, but something about that commercial still touches me whenever I watch it. Because it's like people just happening to catch other people just doing good. And how it makes you think the next time I get a chance, I'm going to do good too. And each time you do it, you do it in the inside of others, and others are inspired, and soon you get this epidemic of contagious righteousness. I believe that really is the nature of the kingdom of God, is that it wasn't just supposed to be a viral message, an idea, words, it was supposed to be a tangible reality that changes the way life looks and feels in the world. And as that happens, it feels good to be in that place, in that reality. We learn to prefer it far more over the bad stuff that's just as contagious. And I have this vision of a good disease that we are so, we're like all gospel positive. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Everyone we touch, if we could infect them with what we've got, there's going to be such a spread of everything God calls good in this broken dark world. I am sick of the darkness everywhere. Aren't you? Aren't you so sick of broken lives and broken families and shattered dreams and people living for the rest of their lives in regret and hating themselves? Aren't you sick of that? Watching people trapped in cycles of brokenness, violence, poverty, unforgiveness. Aren't you tired of it? Do you realize how powerfully God's kingdom breaking through our lives can reverse that? Change what normal looks like. And I long for the day when we spread our good contagion in the name of Jesus all over this world. That's why I pastor. That's why I believe God raised Harvest Community Church. It's my dream for us as a community. And I'm so glad that we're in it together. I'll end this way. This past Friday, um, there's an organization that I helped co-found called Pastors and Counselors Together. It's called PACT for short. It's one of the best acronyms I've ever come up with. Just having a moment, I'm just personally proud of that one. And it's meant to be a gathering place for pastors and counselors to gather together, learn from each other, and give trusted referrals back and forth. And Sandy, who's also a professor over at Wheaton College, gave a session on family therapy. This blew my mind. I had no idea family therapy was even an option. What she said was, most people come for individual counseling, and then they get all charged up, they get a little bit of healing and repair, and they go back to their broken family, and their family breaks them again. Do you ever have that experience that you go to a retreat or a conference, you come back on a mountaintop with God, and you go back to your home, and everyone just sucks all the blessing and glory right out of you. You're like, oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot. I live here. And that's really hard when you get these great experiences but return to a system that continues to drain you and not build you up. And so this family therapy has this beautiful idea that families are systems. They're not just collections of individuals. So you get them together and you fix the system. You address the family and the family heals, not just one individual who everyone says, you're the problem. There's no one person who is the problem. Families break, and families need therapy. So anyway, I don't mean to repeat her whole webinar, but she was basically making the point that families are systems. And she gave us this really beautiful analogy that I want to share with you as I close of a baby's mobile. We've all seen them, right? They hang over cribs. They're a bunch of individual ornaments, all dangling on their own strings but attached to the same frame. And what she said was, we are like this in family. We're all individuals, but we're not independent. And do you understand the difference between individual and independent? I want us all to be individuals. I don't like conformity to an externalized culture. I don't like peer pressure. I don't like guilting and shaming. I want all of us to be uniquely who God made us to be, individuals. But it is a lie that we are independent of each other that anything you do is just your own private business. There is no such thing in a real world where we have community. We are individuals, but we are not independent. We are connected like a mobile, so that if you pull one ornament on that mobile, it shakes every other single ornament on that mobile. You cannot shake just one by itself, because they're all attached to the same frame. And that really spoke to me, because I believe the church is the same way. And I've experienced that in the best possible way. Your being shaken by the Spirit of God has shaken me. You're being held together by the Spirit of God has held me together. We have affected each other, and I know it's clear in some ways how I and the church staff affect you. You beautifully acknowledged us last month. We're so thankful for that. But I don't think it's said enough how much you affect us. How much it helps to work tirelessly on a church staff team when the church that you're serving is so worth serving. How you see this reciprocation as we work hard, but we watch and you work even harder, and it inspires us to do that too. We are so connected to one another, and everything you do touches the lives around you, no matter whether you want that to happen or not. And when you shake for good, everyone around you is shaken for good. And when you shake for bad, the same is true. I want to give us a fresh dream right now, that in the coming year, we would spread an infection of faith and faithfulness and righteousness and service. That everything we call good and we admire, we would infect others as we live that out in our own lives. If you're getting a little tired, a little long in the tooth like me, you're looking ahead to retirement and wishing you could just veg for a while, I get it. Man, I feel all of that. I've been telling people I've got to get a succession plan going because within five to seven years, I'm going to be the, the biggest slowdown for this church. I'm going to be its biggest impediment. But while we still have breath, I'll tell you what. With all my heart, I want to burn bright for my Savior, for my church family. Fight the urge to ride off into the sunset and just fade away. Fight that urge. Spur each other on. Renew your devotion to Christ, to your church, to your family, to your neighbors. Everything you admire, be that. And be it publicly, visibly. Let's spread a good contagion. Amen. We have some announcements after all this is over, so come on up, Audrey. And we're going to just wrap up this part of our service. I want to invite you just to take a moment and consider how you are affected by both the darkness in others and the light in others. Consider then how you're affecting those around you. Whether darkness or light, whatever fills us, we will pass it along to everyone we touch. Are you passing along all that you admire? Are you contagious with everything that God calls good? That should be our dream, our goal. So I'm going to give you a moment just to think about that in the presence of God. Listen to His voice. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.